BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain it, what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is going to do the same thing again year after year. Oh, no. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio. This is the car cast of USC's 38-13 win over the Washington State Cougars on Sunday night football in the Coliseum. We're going to give you our reaction to the game and so much more here on this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy, subscribe to us wherever you'll find podcasts. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Troy at fansite.com, although we're still trying to get that back online our phone number is 213-373-1USC, Second Whispering Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host here in the Red Detroit studio in Los Angeles, Lisa Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, we did not go to the game. Uh, as we've talked about it before in our last episode, both of us feeling uh, extremely under the weather at the moment. Under the weather is 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 a fun euphemism for what I'm feeling right now. What are you feeling? <laughs> Not good, Michael. <laughs> no, you want to just you want to just tell the people. Uh, yeah. You want to you want to sing the song to the uh, to the tune of "I Shot the Sheriff." We got, got the COVID. COVID. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There you go. That's been um, going through my head all week, so it's yeah. just there. There's a good harmony, though. Oh, uh, you know. Yeah, anyways. Uh, don't be like us. Wear a mask. Um, wash your hands. Well, we were wearing a mask and washing our hands, this is true, so but just be very careful, guys. Yeah, anyways. 
Uh, I'll tell you who did not have the COVID on Sunday night. Uh, USC's offense, Amon Ross St. Brown, four touchdowns in the first quarter, Alicia. USC jumped out to a 28 nothing win. I mean, lean in the first quarter. I mean, basically, it was a win. It was a 28 nothing win, uh, <laughs> pretty much. They could have just mercy-ruled it after a little while. That was so weird, too, because, like, all all Sunday, I was... It felt very strange just between not feeling well. Uh, this is this is probably the worst day of symptoms I've had, which is very annoying because I thought for sure yesterday would be the worst. And I thought, OK, well, we're, we'll start we'll start dipping down now and I'll feel a little bit better by the time the game starts. And then that just got out the window. So it was hard to get ready for the game. <clears throat> and then, you know, there was no college football on. And so then I, I had the, the channel on FS1 and there was some. AAU basketball thing that they were showing and it was like well okay do I watch that or do I watch the the football do I watch red zone or whatever and like it just didn't feel like a college football day it just didn't feel at all um <clears throat> like one of those days so the game started and I was thinking like this is going to be the weirdest game both of these teams are coming off of these covid layoffs we, both of them are missing a bunch of players. It's going to be ugly. This is going to be weird. This is going to be stupid. It's just going to be one of those nights that's typical for the Pac-12 and, and for USC. And then all of a sudden, the first quarter just smacked you bam in the face with like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Not at all. USC's just going to go out here and route. Yeah, this is a weird game in that, you know, we're always looking to talk about an SD game in which they play a solid 60 minutes. Well, yes. And still looking for it. <laughs> Dreaming. <laughs> I still dream, Michael. It, it's still a search. Um, because, you know, the, the way this game starts, uh, Washington State looks real bad. Like, yeah. real bad. Um, but SC does the thing which you they haven't done often, which is make a real bad team look worse. Make them look real bad. Take advantage of every little thing. Make bad teams pay for all of their mistakes. USC has done this constant thing where they haven't done that. They, they, they've let teams off the hook. Uh, they, they've played down to opponents. They've underachieved and all this. And in the first 25, 30 minutes of this game, um, SC did not do that. They, they stuck it to Washington State. Uh, they jumped out to a 35 nothing lead um, midway through the second quarter, and they were doing literally everything you would have wanted to see. Talano Hufanga was everywhere. Amon Ross St. Brown was everywhere. They were swarming on defense. They had energy. The offense was, you know, throwing haymakers, throwing the ball downfield. They ran play action. Alicia and, and they ran play action on yardage. third and one. Yes. Yeah. And threw over the top. It was wonderful. Anything you would have wanted, this team was doing. Um, they they really kind of bought into. We we had that midseason episode uh, a week and a half ago where we went on this long diatribe about how SC should just stop running the football because that's the inefficient part of this offense, um, and just buy into being an air raid team and own it, right? And that's what they did in the first half, and this team looked like a dominant football team. And then the second half comes, and just the air was completely out of the Coliseum. Uh, USC's defense was good throughout, so I'm not going to, you know, nothing really to complain there. 
Uh, Washington State changed a, a lot of things in the second half also, but SC could not finish off two two drives in scoring opportunity um, range in in this third quarter. Continue to you know lengthen this this third quarter drought in which they cannot get into the end zone to save their lives, and it creates this weird situation where uh, Keaton Slovis stays in the game for longer than he should be. It should be. He gets hurt, uh, then he comes out of the game, then he goes back into the game in the fourth quarter. All of this weirdness, and 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 for what? This was a game in which SC should have easily gotten to the 50-point mark, easily have been able to feel comfortable to take Keaton Slovis out early in the third quarter, especially when you play on six days rest against UCLA, and then if you win that game, you play on six days rest again uh, against the, the, the North champ, like... There was no need to to have your starters on offense deep into this game in the fourth quarter, and yet that's where SC was because they couldn't finish off drives in the third quarter. Well, but that's that's this USC team, like, and and I think that's the thing that everyone has to come to grips with. This team is what they are, and this is w- what we saw on Sunday night is what they look like, what they can look like when things are are uh, running on all cylinders. And I think that we haven't really seen that. We started to see that a little bit against Utah, uh, but we haven't really seen that this year. been a little while since we've seen that for the whole stretch of a quarter or a quarter, quarter and a half. So that was a positive step forward, absolutely. And and the thing is, we, we knew that this offense could be like that because this is a high-powered offense with receivers that are extremely hard to cover, with a quarterback who's extremely uh, talented and, and can can be devastating uh, to, to a defense if, he, if he's on. Uh, but let's not kid ourselves. This team is still who they are, and they're still a team that that doesn't quite have the juice to take it to the next level. And I think this was yet another example of that. Um, it was on the, the, on the spectrum of good to bad. It was absolutely f- way further on the good side uh, than, than not. But when it comes to this offense specifically, the same worries that I have about this offense were definitely still there. What was different was at least getting able to point to, well, look at what happens when that offense is on and it and it's, you know, twenty eight points in a quarter is is what happens when that offense is on. But the thing I want to really highlight in this game is that the offense I don't think we learned anything new about the offense. The offense is that good and it is that frustrating. The third quarter was right to the script. What I think that you really have to take away from this game is what you saw from the defense. And, you know, Washington State was having uh, massive problems with their secondary as far as uh, guys who were unavailable. But right. the, And they didn't have Max Borgie, who, who is their, you know, top playmaker, essentially, uh, at running back. They, they but, always should have scored at least 38 points against this defense. Well, and, and, that's, and that's the thing is... is Washington State, if they were going to stay in this game, if this was going to be another game that USC was uh, in trouble in late, it was going to be because Washington State put up points to match USC. Like you said, that defense was not going to be able to hold USC's offense. So the difference between this game being a blowout and being another tight game that USC has been in far too often in the past is that the defense really, really did take it up a notch um and 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 we are starting to see i think or i hope what uh, the beginnings of a, of a todd orlando uh, defense could be for usc uh, i think that you have to give the defense incredible um uh kudos 
for this game because, you know, the third quarter could have gotten really squirrely with USC's offense doing its typical third quarter can't score a touchdown or anything else routine if the defense had started giving up points. And they just didn't. They they held Washington State until the very end when the they started clearing the benches and then Washington State was able to to score that to that that garbage time touchdown to make it thirteen. But for all intents and purposes, the the defense held down a Washington State offense that is the strength of that team. They made Jaden Delora look like a true freshman for the first time this season. No other team had done that. Now it's a it's a small sample size, but the the performances that he put in against Oregon State and Oregon were very very strong, and he just looked rattled. He didn't he he looked completely out of his depth in this game. Um, they they shut down the the wide receivers that he'd been uh that that he had had a lot of luck a, a lot of uh, uh production with in the first two games of the season and the defense really didn't let up when in the moments when you typically would expect USC's defense to let up that th- this time around they actually stood their ground and they and they held them off and so I think that's my big takeaway is you know I I don't. I, and nothing will surprise me anymore about this offense, but the defense is starting to show that kind of progress. And big, big kudos to Todd Orlando because he was in a tough spot this week with Ian Ateote and Raylan Goforth both out because of injury. And, uh, you know, the question was, well, what is, is USC just going to start Mauga and, uh, and, and Raymond Scott, knowing that uh, as much as we enjoyed Raymond Scott's performance when he came in against, uh, was it Arizona? Uh, he had a lot of run fit problems. He had a lot of uh, uh, problems with with assignments, and they didn't take that chance this week. And I thought what they did going into the dime defense, and they talked about how they 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 confirmed that they used Talano Hafanga as a linebacker. That was a stroke of genius because Hafanga was in the middle with Malga, setting the tone physically. Uh, he was involved in every play. He was around the ball. And when you get your best player, your best playmaker around the ball, good things happen. And we saw that from him in the performance that he put in. So Orlando turned to the best player on the field for him, and he got the performance that he needed out of him. Um, I also suspect that, you know, that might have been part of the reason why Jaden Dolora didn't take off running very, very often in this in this game. Um, you know, Washington State had a, had a couple moments where they were getting – uh, loose on on run plays, but for the most part, I thought that USC kept them contained, and I, and I think that you can get that can get lost in the whole. Wow, Amon Ross St. Brown scored four four touchdowns in the first quarter, and the first half performance by this offense was absolutely marvelous, and and you love to see it. And we can have conversations about USC's offense, but from start to finish, the storyline of this game for me was the defense. Yeah, for sure, one hundred percent. The defense set the tone. Uh, they got stops on fourth down. They got stops and created turnovers, uh, negative plays, all those things you want to see. Nick Figueroa, great game, three sacks. Uh, Hufanga, you mentioned. I, I got a question to to you about Hufanga. At what point do we start to try to rank where he is among USC's all time greatest safeties? Uh, when his when his career is done. I also think he's going to be at a severe disadvantage. Just the number of games? The number of games uh, because of his injury record and then also this shortened season. Um, it's tough because, you know, uh, 
Troy Polamalu didn't play on great USC teams, but he he had full seasons in order to right. to get the sort of national recognition that you want. And Hafanga, this this would have been the year he could have done that. And we're not really even getting to see everything out of him just because you know it's such a shortened season and 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 the competition is all so out of whack. All right, I'm just gonna really quick though. Get okay. under your head. Better than Marvel Tell. Yes, I would. I would. Yes, I. If if you if you're asking me who would I want on the field for USC, I would say yes above Marvell Tell. Better than TJ McDonald. Um, I would draft Havanga for a college football team before I yes before TJ McDonald. Sewer Cravens. <sighs> you have to think about <laughs> it, right? Isn't that a testament to how good tough. he's playing? That's tough. Do you have to think about it? Yeah. Yeah, that's what, yeah. I I think I still take Sua, but, like, that you have to think about it is a hell of a credit to Hufanga, 100%. And um, he's he's had a terrific year so far uh, and a fantastic game, obviously. Uh, being able to move all over the field and take on a different role uh, with his defense while still having just as much of an impact. But, um... Take a quick break, come back and talk about this game a little bit further. You know, one thing I did want to talk to you about, Alicia, is the passing game uh, with Keaton Slovis. Uh, I know we, we were never, ever going to talk about it again, and I feel guilty for bringing it up, considering the Utah game is in the past. But let's talk about Keaton Slovis' arm and uh, his balls. That he throws. Um, <laughs> I thought they, they look good tonight. Um, not just because they were in the right spot, but there was only one that that, that jumped out to me as a little bit fluttery. Um, I didn't obviously couldn't tell every single pass. Uh, the camera angles tonight were were awful. But well, it was also the, a- the quality of the camera, um, like the. The resolution seemed really off. It's it's like they grabbed the cameras that were put in storage from like 2006. It was weird, and right? Used those. It was it was weird. Like yeah. I, I know we don't have like a 4K TV. No, but, but it's but not. But it was it. still. It was so bad that I double checked that it was. Uh, I didn't accidentally put this on like on the Roku or something like that. Like. Yeah, I double checked that it was coming through the cable box, and it was. And that it was HD. Yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, it, it, it was strange. not great, but uh, the 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 velocity looked there um, better than it has. Um, did he look as good as he he threw the ball last year? Probably not, but but I think that it was the best we've seen of him all year, hundred percent. And for me, it was the confidence that he had to throw the ball downfield. Uh, we didn't see a ton of deep shots. But when we did, he there was no hesitation. Um, the the lob to um, Amon Ross St. Brown, where Amon Ross jumped up and and caught it, I thought was great. The pass on that that third and one, uh, where he just feathered it perfectly into Tyler Vaughn's, was fantastic. And that's exactly the Keaton Slovis you want to see. Yeah, I thought he was excellent. Um, really, I can pinpoint the moment where a perfect performance became a little bit less perfect was in the third quarter when he got sacked when he got to that fumble and then came out um oh no 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 it wasn't the it wasn't the sack that he got fumbled that that he got uh 
uh, the fumble on it was one of the earlier sacks. He has the sack, and then he gets back up on the next play, and he misses the receiver outright, and that was sort of the first, like, oof, that's not the oof. And there were a couple couple after that, so sort of feeding into my theory that this is a, mostly a confidence issue for him. But before that, I mean, he was hitting them, you know, one right after the other after the other. They were accurate. They were... Uh, he was he was finding the the spaces in between the defense. He was giving his receivers a chance. That's my favorite thing about that Amon Ross St. Brown touchdown on third and nine. It, you know, it's he just needs to put the ball up there to give him a chance, and it's one on one coverage. And who are you going to bet on? I mean, that's the kind of ball that Sam Sam Darnold used to um used to make a living out of with Juju Smith Schuster or with Darius Rogers. Those those balls where sh- you you have one guy to beat go out and go out and get it. Michael Pittman did that as well. And uh, it was great to see Keaton put that up there for Amon Ron. It was perfect for him there to, to go up and, and get it. And the one to Vaughn's was perfect. And the, the fade was exactly where it needed to be. I just thought he was putting the ball exactly where it needed to be with the kind of velocity that it needed to have as well. So um, easily the best performance from, from Slovis this year. My only concern will continue to be when he gets hit, are we seeing some rattling going on potentially? Maybe, uh, but uh, that's to be you know even the best quarterbacks when they get hit they get a little bit rattled. Yeah, huge step forward for for Keaton Slovis. Exactly what you want to see going into uh, crunch time this season. Next two games, uh, UCLA and potentially the Pac-12 championship game, are where you want him clicking on uh, all cylinders. Uh, what what was not clicking on all cylinders for SC on Sunday night was the running game. Uh, we had talked about it, like I mentioned, um, a couple of weeks ago, about the inefficiencies of the run game and how they've struggled um, with things like opportunity rates and, and that the negative plays in the running game have really bogged down the offense and forced third and, third and longs and led to drives stalling out. Well, Alicia, the the running backs in this game had 16 carries. How many carries do you think of those 16 gained four yards or more? Uh, I'm I'm I can think of like one or two that Stephen Carr had. Two. Two, yeah. A seven-yard run by Keenan Christen and a five-yard run by Stephen Carr. Yeah. The only two carries that gained at least four yards, which we know of as uh, from opportunity rate, meaning the offensive line is doing its job. Um, the way I look at this, SC was not running at, um, at you know, 100% health here on the offensive line. We, we, we know that Cortland Ford got it plenty of time. Um uh, Jonah Monheim got some time on the offensive line, too. Uh, Justin Dietrich was out there for a while. There were bodies, new bodies out there on the offensive line. That plays a gigantic role here. Um, so I don't want to completely just ether this running game because they only gained, as a team, five net yards. Mind you, negative 20 of that was Keaton Slovis getting sacked. Uh, so uh, 25 net yards for the uh, for the running backs. But to, to me, it goes back to why were you running that many times? 16 carries for the running backs uh, compared to 30, 
uh, three pass attempts. Uh, you, you add Saxon, obviously, more than that. But I think SC could have easily gone with, with a game here in which they just threw the ball on every single down. You, you, you knew that the offensive line was going to have trouble running the fo- football, uh, run blocking, um, and pass blocking, to be honest. But it w- it's more manageable through the passing game. And with as successful as the passing game was early on, I just don't understand the point of trying to run in the second half. I, I get that you want to run out the clock and all those things, but I thought it really affected how SC was able to move the ball on those first first two drives of the second half when they really could have just completely killed off the game completely, put those two drives away, uh, take all your starters out, you go up 49-6, to six and you never have this weird feeling where SC had 287 yards of total offense, only five rushing yards, and you're feeling weird about a game in which SC dominated to start. Well, I mean... We, t- we talked in that previous episode about how the run game being inefficient was making the entire offense inefficient in a lot of ways. And I think that was one of the hallmarks of the early stage of this game. The early, um, the, the, the first quarter and the, and the second quarter, most of the second quarter, was there was more of a let's just go out and throw the ball. And there weren't a lot of we're going to run on first down because that's what teams just do. Right. And then put ourselves in a situation where we're now in second and eight instead of, you know. I, see, I think this is why the, the running in the second half, I think, frustrates me more than anything. Is that we we saw that they were doing the things that we had basically called for. Right? Yeah. And then and that, like they had they had gotten to that conclusion and then kind of went away from it. Well, and I understand that the score obviously plays a role here. Right. And you want to run out the clock. I get all that part, obviously. Right. But, like, I would rather you run out the clock with Matt Fink on the field. Right. Yes. So Throwing screen pass. Yes. And and that's, I think, what the frustration about the third quarter was. It's, it was USC reverting back to that old, well, we got to run the ball because that's what teams do. And it's like, that's not a good enough reason. You're bad at running the ball. Like, the sooner you acknowledge that, the sooner we can just get over this whole thing and stop having drives be harder than they need to be because you're wasting plays with negative outcomes. And um, the the biggest problem is, to again, play to the opponent. The opponent doesn't have any DBs. They had half of their starters out in the in the secondary because they, were, they didn't travel. So... Right. They couldn't stop you. They literally couldn't stop you. They couldn't defend you in man. They couldn't defend you in zone. Yeah, and, you know, we talk about uh, how it might be easier on those offensive linemen to to just be in a little bit of pass pro, a little bit more than than the complex running schemes. And yet, it's really similar to what Washington State would do on defense. Um, At least early on, if you're Washington State, it's easier to put those inexperienced defensive backs into man coverage rather than having some sort of uh, zone scheme where everyone's got to be in the right spot. Because running a zone down. defense is very difficult because everyone's got to be in the right spot. Yeah. And well, so, you so have it's everyone easier to just kind of throw those guys out and, man, take advantage of that. Yeah. Which they did. They absolutely did yeah. at SC in, in the keep, first quarter. But keep taking advantage of that. Don't right. take your foot off the gas. And this is, again, it's it. I hate being critical after a big win like this. Like, I don't want to focus on the negatives but 
the the problem is when the negatives are thematically in line with the same problems that USC has had in other games where right. it hasn't been so close, where where it was further, where, where the game wasn't so close. Well, it matters when you can't score in the third quarter because if you are up by three points on UCLA at halftime, then it will matter that you didn't solve these things coming out of the third quarter. Um, so you don't get a pass for it in this game. And it all comes back to the, we're just going to run the ball because because that's what we decided to do. You'd be better off just dumping the ball, you know, dumping the ball off or if you're going to run the ball, run it out of a draw. Um you know, keep keep hitting your your receivers on the outside and trust that everyone knows that they need to stay in bounds, um, or tell them that they need to stay in bounds or do whatever, uh, whatever it is. Run your offense. And you and I were having this conversation while we we're watching the game. Like USC could have put this game out of you know out of the way in the third quarter if they just score on those first two drives in the in the third quarter. But they settle for a field goal and they miss a field goal. And if they had just gone out. And continue to do exactly what they did in the first half. Continue to have their tempo. Continue to just attack that secondary. Score a couple touchdowns. And then you can put Matt Fink in. Not have to worry about Keaton Slovis getting hurt. Not have to worry about who's running the ball or not. Just keep running your offense. And and let your backups get some time. Like you, you kept saying on Twitter. Like you have six days of rest. You don't need Keaton getting hit multiple times right. in the second half of this game. Just put the game away. But USC has yeah. this this, and, and it would it would be one thing if they left Keaton out there to chase records. Yeah, but it's not like that's what they were doing. because no. they they stopped kind of throwing. The I ball would have field. rather that there was a touch of Lane Kiffin going on here, where right. they were feeding it to Amon Ra in order to get him the the touchdown record. Right. Like I would have much rather that than what we got in the third quarter, which was, well, you know, we just got to do this thing where we're going to run on first down, and it's okay, we didn't get that, and run on, you know, third and one because that's what we do and blah, blah, blah. Like the the, national championship teams, they, they, they got to run for 170, 170 yards. yards. Yeah. Got to get there. Yeah. 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 Never mind that you, not, not only was Andrew Voorhees out from the start, but Liam Jimmins went out by the second half too. So now you've got two freshman guards starting with your with your center and, and you know, it's just it's not a good situation to be in and they just, you know. So... Uh, I, I want to end the pod by talking about some good things because I feel like we've been way too negative in this for a 38-13 to 13 win Be, because it was insane how positive this game was through the first 25 minutes. I, I put on Twitter, how are you guys feeling? And so many people were saying that they were having the most fun since the Rose Bowl, the most fun since the Pete Carroll era. Like People were insanely happy about this game, and rightfully so. Because SC was fun again. Mm-hmm. SC looked great and all that stuff. And, you know, the last 35 minutes happened. And what is frustrating for me is you look at it and in a vacuum, the last two games are absolutely games that you should be proud of this football team for. Going into Rice Eccles and winning by double digits. Taking care of business against a Washington State team that has a good offense and not falling prey to the Sunday night weirdness and all that stuff, it would have been easy for SC to come out and lay an egg. They didn't. They came out, they took advantage, they made a bad team look worse. Like, they did everything you'd want them to do for most of this game. And the reasons we end up sitting here and being like, but you know, uh, but there's there's still this, and but there's still that, 
is all because the little things that have plagued this team for the last few years and plagued this team for the first two games are still a little bit there. And then it, it it's unfair because, like I said, these last two games in a vacuum, objectively fantastic. But we're not watching them in a vacuum. And exactly. That's, and that's the issue. Right. But that's why I talked about early on that, you know, we... The, the conversation around the offense is just going to be repeating the same things that we've been saying forever because that's just what this offense is. The, the, the ultimate positive I think you take is that the defense showed up and that the defense, the reason you had a blowout in this game instead of a 38 to 33, you know, nightmare is because the defense held Washington State, held their strength down and, and didn't let them become a factor in this game. And I right. think um, if you wanted to find things that are, things that are different from this year to last from this week to last or whatever it is it's that and and um that's the sort of optimistic take that you can that you can have but th- that's the the way to look at it uh the the trouble is is that many of us will still want to look at this team through the lens of um how competitive would they be against a really good team and i don't think this game convinces me that uh, that the, they'd be any different against you know a really good team than I already knew that they would be. I think what we got a taste of here is look at what you guys can be against. You guys can be against a bad team or a, you know a middling team right. if we're being generous to Washington State because they dominated a bad the, team for the, most of this game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like those are those are things where there are little things little pieces of progress that USC is putting forward I don't think that they mean enough in the grand scheme of things for me to you know jump up on the table and scream now is the time uh you know the championship is USC's and I'm not I'm not there yet but I I am encouraged by a lot of the things in this game absolutely I'm 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 super encouraged by that little taste and maybe this is the ever living optimist in me but like that taste of the offense we got in the first half that means they're capable of it if anyone sure, ever yeah. pulls the you know blindfold off and suddenly realizes no we're an air raid team just be an air raid team but uh you know that's you know i live in hope of one day that happening but at the same time like so much of that first half was about the defense causing turnovers yeah creating set, turnovers that love short fields yeah yeah for sure and that sure helps a lot too 100 percent um, let's quickly do some helmet stickers or fist bumps. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Um, I want to each pick two players that uh, you want to call attention to. You go first. Um, but besides Tufanga and Slovis and Amon Rahu, I think it's easy to pick out. Right, right. Um, I want to call attention to uh, to Drake London. I, I think that yeah. he weirdly had quietly put together another dominant game his ability to catch the ball and turn and create yards was outstanding. Yeah, it's it's so fun to watch him play. Uh, it's so fun to see him with the with the ball in his hands uh, and and making moves on the field at that size to to do that to a defense is is super super fun, um, super fun to see. Uh, and then I'll, I'll look at the defense and um, I I think that uh, USC has something there with. Kanai Mauga, I think I like his uh, his physicality and his presence. Um, but I, I thought the defense as a whole, I just thought that they they swarmed together. They were energetic. They were flying around. 
and we don't always see that from USC's defense. But uh, I, I I do think that um, collectively there was so much to like from from everybody. Uh, you know, Hafanga's out there hitting hard. Pulamau is out there laying the wood. Mauga's out there being physical. It it's just nice to nice to have those moments where you can see a team that's amped, that's hyped, that's out there throwing their bodies around. Because uh, that's the kind of defense that USC will need to be. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. The two players for me that jump out: uh, Max Williams and Nick Figueroa. Yeah, yeah. Max Williams had a. I I really enjoy Max Williams because of the way he tackles. Yeah, he is such a sure tackler. Yes, and and he makes sure that if he gets contact with you, he's going to at least trip you up, prevent you from going further. I really, and especially for a smaller guy. He's not going to be able to overpower you and get you on the ground that way. He's going to have to unbalance you, and I think he does that very, very well. Uh, very encouraging to see from him, especially since Greg Johnson was out. Looks like a, a serious injury for him, unfortunately. So USC's going to have to rely on Max Williams a hell of a lot more. Yeah, Nick Figueroa, three sacks, uh, two on back-to-back plays, uh, which which is good to see because he's been so... Um, Visually apparent as a you know part of this this uh, this team, but he hasn't necessarily had the production. Uh, I, I feel like every game I look at the stats and I'm like, I, I'm not seeing what I I'm not seeing the stats what I see on the field. Yeah, and you saw that tonight where he gets three tackles, through all three sacks. Yeah, like, yes, that that's what that's what he he deserved uh, to uh, to put on the board there. So yeah, that's gonna wrap up the um, the car cast. We'll be back later this week to um, talk about it, preview um, UCLA going forward as well this week. Um, We'll we'll figure out our schedule. Um, I'm sure a lot of that will pertain to how we're feeling, which is not too great at the moment. Uh, So excuse the sick voices. Uh, We're we're sorry. Um, And yeah. Uh, thanks for listening as always uh, you know how to reach us even though again our email address is not working right now uh, so you might want to message us on Facebook uh, for the time being or uh, on Twitter uh, phone number 213-373-1872 uh, as well uh, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time see ya see ya, see ya. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.